I watched Star Wars Rogue One last night. Actually, that's not true. I watched the second half of it. I watched the first half of it the night before because I'm getting old and the idea of <laughs> finishing an entire movie after the kids go to bed, because they get in bed at about 7.30, 7.45. And you know, so a movie, like if you start a movie at 8 p.m., it's not gonna be finished till like 9.30. And so that's just outrageous. So anyways, I started it the night before. And then I finished the second half of it last night, Rogue One. It's a pretty cool show. And what it is, if you don't know, Rogue One is the Star Wars. It's just a standalone movie, and it's between Episodes 3 and 4, and it really helps make sense of why in Episode 4 the Death Star has a self-destruct button on it. And we've been wondering for years and years, and so they made Rogue One to help answer that. And it's a pretty cool movie. <clears throat> and in this movie, there's... Uh, you know, you've got the Empire and you've got the Rebellion, right? Um, and it's this uh, league of uh, rebels that they're not, uh, they're saying the Empire's evil. Uh, and, you, and you know the, the poor stormtroopers that they don't know that they're the bad guys at some point. They're like, are we killing women and children? And like, are we the bad guys? And they don't even know it. Uh, but the Rebellion knows that. And so they're saying, hey, we cannot give in uh, to the Empire. It will be the end of the galaxy as we know it. And so you've got this... Uh, this group of rebels um, and the Star Wars Rogue One, it's essentially just a war movie, but with lasers, okay? And and so, but as I'm watching it, I'm sitting here thinking like any war movie, like why is it that we're drawn to war movies? Like why is it that we watch, you know, these men and women in these incredible situations? And, and why is it that you know, as we watch it, we put ourselves in there? At least I know men do, right? I mean, why is it that that as we're some sitting here watching Rogue One, all the fight scenes, like the guys um, giving of themselves for their brothers, the guys, you know, getting out of a airplane and, and running towards the battle. Like I'm always thinking, like because you know, anytime, anytime a group charges, there's always the group, the guys up front, right? That they're running and they're at the front, and I'm like, they're goners. Like, but they're, but they are, but they are excited and they're, they're passionate about what they're doing. And, and then I'm always like, you know, there's the dude at the back, you know, that like when they're like charge, he's like, oh, I got to tie my shoe. Y'all know what I'm thinking. You know, like, and I'm like, honestly, and I'm thinking to myself, which would I be? I mean, I'm just being really real here for a second. Like what cause would I be in a group of uh, men or men and ladies or whatever, what cause would I be that when we said charge that you would have to struggle to keep up with me? Like what cause would I just run head first into probably sure death, but I'm saying no, this will make a difference and I'm willing to die for this thing rather than saying, okay, let's charge. You guys go ahead. I'll stay in the back. I'll be the guy that you know, I'll, I'll be the sniper or the guy that makes the long, really long shots or something. You know, like there's these guys that at the very front, like they're saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to give my life, absolutely no question. I'm thinking, what cause would that, would I do that for? And, and there's something that draws us uh, to that, especially as men. And so what I want to do today is I want to try to convince you that that cause is happening right in front of us. It's happening every single day. And I think many of us, uh, we just believe the lie. We've forgotten. We've lost sight. We've fallen asleep, as the Bible would say. Uh, we, we don't have our eyes focused on what's actually occurring in front of us, what's actually being laid out right in front of us in, in the pages of history as it's being written. I think we're missing uh, this cause. 
Um, I think that there are a lot of people that are at the front, but I think, I really do believe, uh, it might be mean to say most, I'll just say some. Some Christians are like, y'all go ahead, I'll tie my shield, catch up in a second. You know, you guys charge on ahead. I'm with you, but when it actually comes to giving of ourselves, we're like, hold on, let me sit back and wait for a minute, right? <clears throat> I'm not trying to be mean, I just always want to at least be honest here. Um, and so, as we're in the Advent season, <clears throat> we have to remember Advent, that word is, it's Latin for the coming. It's, it's Latin for, it's this idea of uh, God coming down to earth. And historically throughout the church, the Advent season, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, has been a time of uh, spiritual reflection and anticipation, okay? Um, it's been observed since about the fourth century, and that was when, back then, that was when converts to Christianity would prepare their hearts for baptism. They would prepare their minds to get baptized, to make sure they really knew uh, what they were doing. And then in the Middle Ages, it started to become uh, more of a time where they would be preparing for the advent of Jesus. And when, remember when I say advent, yes, we're talking about him coming as a baby, but we're also talking about the second coming, okay? There's two advents, okay? Don't, don't miss this. If you think there's only one, then none of the New Testament makes uh, sense. Um, and so what we want to do is we always want to focus on that right now we live between the time of the first and second advent, okay? The first one when he comes as a baby, and the second one when he returns as the king, okay? And that right now when we celebrate Advent, yes, we celebrate him coming as a baby, but we're also waiting for his coming again. And, and this is the battle for human souls, uh, this battle for eternity, that I'm telling you, this battle is worth being at the front of the line charging forward. And so there's differences between the first and second Advent. Forgive me, I'm going to read a little bit here. Um, I usually don't read that much, but I, I just want to set the groundwork so we make sure uh, that we see what we're doing here. <clears throat> so the first Advent, when Jesus came uh, as a baby, he was coming in weakness and humiliation. He was uh, called a man of sorrows. Uh, his time on earth, he was acquainted with grief. He was a root out of the dry ground. Uh, the Bible says he has no form or beauty that should be desired. Uh, they said that his hands and feet will be pierced. He's forsaken of man and God, um, and he would make uh, his grave with the wicked. Look in Isaiah 53. And so again, we're just kind of setting the stage here. Isaiah 53, uh, this is a prophecy about the coming Messiah. Um, and what you'll see in the Old Testament, again, there were times when they would talk about the Messiah coming, and it seemed as if it contradicted itself. Because there would be times when it would speak of the Messiah coming as a man of sorrows to be humiliated. I mean, look at this, Isaiah 53, uh, verse, um, just start in verse 1. So listen to this picture they paint of the Messiah. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and mocked and we esteemed him not. 
Surely you took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. That, that's interesting, too, because in one of the Gospels, if you remember, uh, Jesus mentions, Oh, hey, by the way, if I open my mouth, my father would send 12 legions of, legions of angels to finish this off. And Jesus says, no one takes me to the cross. I send myself there, right? And so he says, he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Now just skip down to verse 12 at the end of it. He says, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. He, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Okay, so this is, now remember, this is a prophecy of God coming down to man. And what picture does this paint? This is a pretty sad picture. It talks about the man of sorrows being pierced, right? Uh, look also, uh, just look in Psalm 22. Go left a little bit. There's lots in the Old Testament that that prophesies about the Messiah to come. And this is why I even like that we sing that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because this was the cry of the people was, O Come, Emmanuel, come and rescue uh, wretched Israel. Psalm 22, verse 1. <clears throat> You're going to recognize the very first words of this if you've been in church very long. Psalm 22, verse 1. It says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay, now why is that interesting? Does anyone know? Jesus on the cross. That's one of the things that one of the final things that Jesus says on the cross. Okay, so listen, and, and this is important. This is often very misunderstood. Why did Jesus say, My God, my God, why are you forsaking me? Was was he cursing God? The answer is no. What he was was he was reciting what? Psalm 22, okay? And so what he's doing is he is starting Psalm 22 so that those who are at the cross listening, they would have finished it in their head, okay? It's the same way uh, that I can start a song, and if I start it, what do you do? You finish it, okay? So keep this in mind. In the Old Testament, the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, and Hebrew, the Hebrew Bible was never intended to be uh, read. It was intended to be sung. Okay? It, everything about it has a rhythm. And so what you'll, even to this day, if you go to Israel, we're going this November, you need to come with us. And I, I should have got the video. I have a video of the last time I was at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Even to this day, they have a group of small Jewish uh, kids, children. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's probably, probably 80, 100 of them. Um, and you have these rabbis up at the front, and there's maybe five or six rabbis. And what you have is, uh, and I've got video, I wish I would have brought it. You have these kids all singing, singing their hearts out. And I walk up and I'm like, this is really cool. And I mean, these kids have their eyes closed and they're just singing. I mean, they're this big, right? 
and I go up and I ask, I ask someone, hey, what are they singing? And they said, oh, they're singing one of the songs. Or they're singing one of this or one of that. And the point is, is that the Old Testament was sung and so it was all memorized. Even to the point to where if, if you sing something long enough, you don't even know that you have the song, the words memorized. Has anyone done this, by the way? How you can hear the lyrics of a song that you haven't listened to in, in I mean, like 10 or 15 years. And what happens? Like, they just, the, the words just pour out of you. Uh, like, Animaniacs is back. Did y'all know that? They remade Animaniacs. And the other night, Kinsey and I were sitting around. We're like, let's watch a show. And we were looking for something. And I was like, oh, let's watch Animaniacs. And I thought it was the original Animaniacs. And she turned it on. And we saw that it was a new one. And I was like, oh, no, this may be terrible. And so we pushed play. And listen, I haven't watched Animaniacs in, like, 20 years, probably. But we pushed play. And we both seen the first couple uh, like sentences and then you want to know what happens as the song goes on I just keep going and, and, and even Kinsey turns and looks at me and my eyes get big and I'm reciting these words I didn't even know that I knew them but the, and I knew almost the entire song for Animaniacs except they changed a couple words they don't put Bill Clinton in there anymore it's something else you know where Bill, Bill Clinton plays this act they changed that. But here, here's the entire point, is that uh, these uh, the Old Testament Bible was sung. And so when Jesus on the cross, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's starting this song so that the readers or the those at the cross would finish it. So listen to what they would have finished. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried out to you, and were saved. In you, they trusted, and were not disappointed. But I am a worm, and not a man, scorned by men, and despised by the people all who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. Uh, skip down to like verse 15. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Does this sound like Jesus on the cross, by the way? Even my tongue sits at the roof of my mouth. Remember one of the final words of Jesus on the cross was what? I'm thirsty. Uh, he says, dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. Look at this. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Does that sound familiar? Yes. This is exactly what Jesus was communicating when he was on the cross. But you, O oh Lord, be not far off. O oh, my strength, come quickly to help me. And you can finish that song. And so, <clears throat> point B, remember when we celebrate Advent, there's the first one that we're celebrating where Jesus comes in weakness and humiliation. 
And then the second one is what uh, many of Israel was looking for. Flip, flip back to Isaiah chapter 11. I told you we'd read a lot today. And I had to, I had to really pick and choose. The second advent, the second coming is when uh, Jesus will come as a sovereign leader. He'll purge the earth with righteous judgment. He'll regather Israel. He'll restore the throne of David. He'll introduce a new reign of peace and perfect righteousness. Okay, so look at Isaiah chapter 11. It says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. And Jesus is from Nazareth. Um, and the word Nazareth means it's nets erects, which it means branch town. The word Nazareth means branch town. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom, of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but the righteous he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor on the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wickedness. <clears throat> Righteousness will be his belt. A faithfulness the sash around his waist. Uh, skip down to verse 10. In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people. The nations will rally to him. And his place of rest will be glorious in that day the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people from Assyria from lower Egypt from upper Egypt from Cush from Elam from Babylon from Hamath and from the islands of the sea he will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel he will assemble the scattered people of Judah and the four corners of the earth. See, you get the idea here is that all through the Old Testament, the, the Messiah being prophesied, it seems as if it's conflicting because it says he's going to come in humbleness, but he's also going to come in power. Um, in the first advent, it says he's, he came as a humble, in, in a humble, insignificant arrival. The second advent, there's not going to be any question, is he's going to rip through the sky, okay? Uh, the first advent, he was veiled as an infant. The second, he will be unveiled for everyone to see. Uh, in the first advent, uh, the thing that marked his arrival was this star in the sky. You know, you've seen the, the show, The Star. The, you need to show your kids, by the way. It's really cute. The second advent, you know what's going to happen? It says the, the stars will fall from the sky. There will need, be no need of light because he will be the light. Right? Uh, the first advent... Uh, it says there was no room for him in the end. In the second advent, the entire world will not be able to contain his glory. Um, he comes to bring peace on earth. The second advent, he's come to separate the sheep from the goats. The second glorious coming will receive the, perf the same fulfillment as the first. Here's a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, for this time, this is talking about when Jesus returns. For this time, it will be God with out disguise something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature it will be too late then 
to choose your side. And at this time, at the second coming, guys, remember, everybody on earth will bring glory to God. You know that, right? Every living being. Uh, you'll either bring glory to God as an object of his wrath or as an object of his grace. Okay? And so at that second advent, when he's returning again, many people will bring glory to God because they will become objects of wrath. They will be an object of his just wrath because no matter how perfect, no matter how righteous their lives are, no matter how many great things that you do, the Bible says in comparison to the glory of God, they're like filthy rags. And so even, even the, like this is the, the crazy part, is there are some people that you look at that they have done incredible things, that they have an unbelievable resume for the Lord, and, but they do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And at that time, they will be an object of wrath and will bring glory to God. And then on the other side, there will be those of us that are in Christ that have absolutely no righteousness of our own. None. That our only basis for righteousness is the blood of Jesus Christ. That when he looks at us, he doesn't see us, but he sees Jesus, right? He sees that we're covered in the blood of Christ. And in that moment, we will be an object of his grace. And in doing so, brings glory to God because of the perfect nature and the perfect life of Jesus Christ. So, so don't miss that. Every single being will bring glory to God as an object of his wrath or an object of his grace. Uh, this object being an object of his grace, there's a great picture that's painted in the Old Testament as well. Do you remember whenever um, Israel had been taken captive in Egypt and they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, right? And what God does is he sends Moses. He says, I'm going to get my people out. And what the Lord does is he says, hey, I'm going to have this thing called the Passover. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to take the blood of a lamb and I want you to put it over the top of your doorpost of your house and the spirit of the Lord will come along and where the spirit of the Lord sees the blood of the lamb, he will pass over that house. Now, now don't miss this. God didn't go into the house. When God came to a household, what he did was he looked and he saw, is this house covered in the blood of the lamb? If it is, he said, you are declared righteous. If it's not, he said, you are declared uh, unrighteous. Right? This is the way that both Advents work as well. The first Advent of Jesus Christ when he comes is when he's offered his blood. Right? And that when the, this is the time of grace between the Advents. It's called, called the time of grace. It's called the church age. Why is it such a mystery? Because in the Old Testament, they never knew that there were going to be two comings. They thought it would be one time. Right? And so this is why even um, when you read in the New Testament, if you remember, uh, there's a point at which uh, Jesus has come back from the dead and he goes and sees the apostles and they say, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? Do you remember that? Acts chapter 1. And he says, hey, don't worry about it. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates or the places, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And so anyway, sorry, I'm getting off track here. The point being the first advent brings in this time of grace. The second advent brings in this time of wrath. And the only difference is the blood of the lamb if we're covered in that blood of Jesus. And so um, right now, I want to point this out. We live in between. And let's get real for a second. 
Right now we live in between Jesus coming as a baby and him returning as the king. And, and I always want to be very real. It appears sometimes as if God has lost. Sometimes it looks as if we have lost the battle. Right? Um, and the thing to remember is that even scripture says, do you want to know who the prince of this world is right now? Satan is the prince of this world. That's what scripture says. And scripture says that he's been given his day. He's been given his hour. The Bible says that Satan is the prince of this world. And if you're not careful, you will look and you will see and you will think that the church has lost. You will think that God has lost. But this is just his hour. And the day is coming when God will return and it will be his day and it will be the final day. But the problem with that is that is this right here is that we just forget. Don't we forget? Like didn't we we just read this in Isaiah. Isaiah says, We all like sheep have what? Just gone astray. Right? And so so this is what I wanted to point out is that in this season, in this time, we are so prone to forget. Uh, last week I said in, in the months of November and December 3.8 billion dollars is going to be spent on advertising. Why is that? Because what is the most sought after resource this Christmas? It's not PlayStation 5. It's not AirPods. What is it? You. You are. No one spends more money or the world spends more money on getting your affections, on getting your attention, on trying to compete for your heart that this is the battle, right? There is a battle going on. Jesus says, I've come to bring peace, but that's not right now. Uh, when Jesus says, I've come to bring peace on earth, if we were to look at him and say that, he would look at you and say, oh, you thought I meant right now? Uh-uh. Jesus says, I've come to turn a father against his son. I've come to turn a master against his slave. I've come to draw a line in the sand. Peace is coming, but not now. Right now, we're at war. Don't forget. Uh, look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. We looked at this last week as well. And we're just staying in the Old Testament today. And, and last week, um, I spent several minutes explaining. Remember, Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell address. It's Moses' last words to Israel. Uh, Israel is about to go in the promised land. And so Moses sees... He says, hey, I've, I've got one more sermon I need to deliver to these people. They're about to go into the promised land that the Lord has already given them. And he says, I want to warn them. And I read this last week, chapter 4, verse 9. He says, only be careful. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not, what's the word? Forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your what? Heart. As long as you live. Guys, do not forget what's going on here. And, and in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that word forget, it partially, it partially means that it, you, you cognitively forget it. But what it mostly means is that you lose the significance of it. Do not forget. It's like how if... If I were to uh, have a bumper sticker on my car and it said September 11th, 2001, 
and underneath it it said the words, never what? Forget. Now, now listen, that word forget, does it really mean, am I really at risk of going, oh, hold on, what happened September 11th? Right. Is that what it's talking about? No, what does it mean when it says don't forget? It means what? It better stay in your heart. Like, it, it, it cannot become just another day. It cannot become just another event that we add into our history books. Like, when we say September 11th, never forget we're saying, you know the moment you found out? Do you remember the emotion you felt? Do you remember what it caused our nation to do? By the way, October 2001 was one of the greatest months in, I remember in our nation ever. It brought people together. We didn't forget. Don't forget. This is what the Bible says over and over and over is do not forget where the Lord has brought you from. And I'm saying this to you in December of 2020. Guys. Christmas is coming up. Do not forget what this is about. Do not think this belongs to Amazon. This is not a season for just give me more, more, more. Right? Do not forget what the church is about. Do not believe the lie that the church is here to cater for your needs. Don't do it. Do not believe the lie. God, there's so many I could just go through. Don't, don't believe the lie that the church is made up of perfect people and you're the only one that's screwed up. Great. Don't do it. Right. Do not forget where the Lord has brought you. Don't do it. And you may be thinking, ah, how am I going to remember? Flip forward just two pages. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because this is, not, this is not the first time we've encountered this problem. We're all so distracted. We've all got so many things going on. I know you're super busy because you're really important. Sorry, that was way too sarcastic. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sure you're real busy. Uh, sorry, yeah. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Again, so this is Moses still preaching to his congregation. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strengths. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And so the emphasis is not necessarily remembering in your brain, but remembering the impact of what's going on. Verse 7, impress them on your children. Uh, that word impress, it's underlined in my Bible, and I have written out next to it, I have the words, it means to engrave them on your children, okay? So when you see the word impress them, um, it doesn't mean like, one of my favorite shows is How It's Made. Does anyone else like How It's Made? Okay, cool. All the, all the dads in the room. <laughs> and dad like, no, okay, good. Don't look at me like that. So the thing I like about How It's Made, I think it's very interesting, is they'll take a piece of steel, they'll take a quarter inch piece of steel, they'll put it in, in this machine, and you'll see this thing will come down and just smoosh it. And then, it, and then the machine goes up and it's like, oh my gosh, it's a rocking chair. You know, it's like in one quick smoosh, it's like, and then it comes up and it's, it has gone in an instant uh, from this useless piece of metal into, bam, the finished product. That is not what it means to impress things on your children. It is 1,000% the opposite, okay? But we think that discipleship and impressing things into the next generation, this is part of our culture, is that it's a one-time, if I can just smush Jesus into you enough over one weekend, then bam, you're done. This idea is to engrave them into your children. This means 
over time, over a long, long time. You know, it's, it's this idea of like, if you took a, um, literally, if you took like just a rough stone, and if you just sit there and, and rub, I mean, a piece of sandpaper, 400 brick sandpaper on it, if you do it one time, what's going to happen? Nothing. But when you sit there and you engrave it, that's what this word means, by the way, to impress it on your children. It means a long time. By the way, I'm not pushing very hard when I'm engraving. It's just repetitive. It's um, consistent. It's over time. And what you notice is over time, I look down and I feel that rock and what has happened? It's starting to take shape, right? And so that's what it means, impress them on your children. And so uh, anyways, point being, this is Moses saying, here's how you don't forget Impress them on your children. That means to constantly be having these conversations with your family, your church family, with your friends. It's not a one-time deal. Uh, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. But Moses, what if I still can't remember? Look, he says, okay, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. This is what Moses is saying. Do whatever it takes to not forget what this is about. Anything it takes, remember. Uh, if this was written today, he would say, set a reminder in your phone. He would say, set aside time on your calendar. Block out time on your calendar to protect it. To say, we're not going to do the busy every single night for the rest of our lives thing. He's, going to, he's saying, do anything it takes to protect and to remember what's happening here. Verse 10, this is why. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers. Now listen, Moses is going to get pretty snarky here, by the way. To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Do you see what he's saying here, by the way? This is pretty snarky. He says, when God brings you into this land that has all these things, that, by the way, you did none of it. It's only by God's grace that any of this has happened. He says, then when you eat and are satisfied, verse 12, be careful that you do not who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And oh, by the way, right there, he says, who brought you out of Egypt. What was it that brought them out of Egypt? It's the blood of the lamb that brought them out of Egypt. It was not their performance. It was only that they were covered by the blood of the lamb. I have this written, uh, this was years ago in one of my seminary classes, one of my professors went over this, and he said this, and it's written in my Bible, in ink, I have written down, there is nothing more dangerous than a full stomach, so be careful. Why is that? Because when our stomach is full, we forget. When our stomach is full, we forget that the Lord has provided, and we start to become arrogant, and we start to think, hey, I've got this under control, right? Think of the times that you felt the greatest intimacy with the Lord. Most likely were times when you were walking through the valley, right? That's where the growth occurs. And then when we get on the mountaintop experience, what happens? Our, we're just gone. And, and this is why I think this is so appropriate right now. Because, guys, 
Billions of dollars are being spent to try to get your attention. Billions of dollars are being spent saying, hey, if you had this shiny thing, if you bought this car for your wife and surprised her in the front yard without ever asking about buying a car, which nobody does that, by the way. Y'all see in these commercials? I'm like, who are these billionaires? It's like, oh, hey. Like, it's the same way as if I'd be like, hey, I, I, <laughs> I rented a DVD at the Redbox on the way home. Do people still do that? Redbox? No. It's, I'm like, this is ridiculous. But uh, please, guys, guard your heart. And I don't say that very often because it sounds like we're afraid. I'm not afraid. But protect your heart. Don't forget what this season is about. And, and I'll end with this. Guys, the world is fighting for your children, your friends, your family. And, and this is... This must be that battle that as it's waging, I'm, I'm going to be at the front of the line. I am. I, for, for my kids, we are not going to be the family that is so busy we have zero time for our church. We are not going to be that family that is so busy that I can't even remember to call someone back. We are not going to be that family that we're so enslaved to stuff that I'm in debt for the rest of my life. We are not going to be that family that dad works 80 hour weeks all year round. There's seasons of hard work. There is. But I'm telling you, this is the battle that Russell will be at the front of the line. He will give himself for this. This is not the battle where Russell's going to sit in the back and say, ah, you guys go ahead. And so everybody in this room, please join me in this fight, right? Because the world has billions of dollars, shiny promises, shiny objects, tons of empty promises, but it will not satisfy. It will not satisfy. And so please, guys, be careful. There's nothing more dangerous than a full stomach. And my guess is nobody in here is struggling to eat right now. That's my guess. Nothing is more dangerous than a full stomach. Do not forget where we've come or let it slip from your hearts as long as you shall live. Um, and don't forget, guys, it's Advent season and we're living in between. He's coming again. And we need, I, hope you, I hope you believe that. Like, for, don't, don't Sunday morning me and look at me and smile and nod. I hope you believe He's coming again. And He's not coming as a baby. He's coming as a king on a horse leading an army, right? And he's going he's to separate the sheep from the goats at that time. I hope you know that and believe that. And when I say uh, believe it, I hope it hits your heart. And I hope that we're ready for him. I hope we're ready, right? Uh, let me pray for us. That's all I wanted to say. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your word. Uh, God, thank you that it's really... Uh, your word, it's, it's really not complicated. Um, if we understand that you're coming again, it makes complete sense, actually. Uh, and God, thank you um, that, that you did come down in a, a human, as a human. God, thank you that you made the sacrifice. Thank you that you, you offered the blood of the Lamb to cover us. Um, and so, Lord, I pray that we would be um, people that, that we preach that to others and that we know that about ourselves. Um, and this Christmas season, I pray that we would wage war. I pray we would not uh, pull a Sweden and just sit off to the sidelines. I pray that we would absolutely pick up a sword and say, no, consumerism will not have my family. 
materialism will not have this family. We will not bow down to things and stuff. We won't do it. That we would wage war against it. Um, and that maybe we, should, we could give a couple presents. That would be fun. But that it's not what this is about. And so, uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, you're with us this week. I pray that, we're, that we would be aware that you're with us. And I pray that we would just listen carefully, carefully listen as you speak this week. That we wouldn't listen haphazardly um, or, or we wouldn't uh, listen clumsily. But when you speak, we would be discerning uh, to listen to what you're saying. And so, uh, Father, uh, this is our prayer. Amen.